0: Well, good evening. Uh, Dwayne says I'm not a stranger, and I guess that's true. But I do say I I know a lot more faces than names. I I uh, look forward to getting to know a number of you better in the next few days here. I sought for a man. Ezekiel 2230 says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. That's a pretty sad statement. Before you would open your Bibles tonight or before we go to any particular passage, I'd like to give us a little bit of a picture. I want us to see a progression here this evening. In the beginning, God created man, created the heaven and the earth, created man, everything that was in there, in in the earth. And everything was perfect and good. So that's the first scenario. Everything's perfect and good. Then man sins and ruins, seemingly ruins everything. So you've got a perfect situation, and now you have a ruined situation. God comes and pronounces a curse on man, on the woman, and on the serpent. And in his pronouncing the curse on the serpent, he says, you will bruise the woman's seed, the the heel of the woman's seed, and the woman's seed will bruise your head. And I'm sure that they just did not grasp that, did not understand that the way we do, but they, So there was the perfect scenario, the perfect situation, everything good and perfect. Then there is sin and it's ruined. And now there's this glimmer of hope. They're, they're not understanding, they're not seeing, but there's this glimmer of hope. And also, they if, if they were able to comprehend or not, I'm not sure how that all worked out, but or what, what their level of understanding was. But they also knew that this this Redeemer, this fix that God was going to do was going to come through one of their descendants. And you see that when Eve named Seth. Uh, well, she, as, as her sons were born, she thought that these different ones would probably be the Redeemer and obviously you know that we know that they weren't. So that's the way that we remained for the next generation several thousand years. Always just looking for a man who would deliver them from the power of sin and Satan. Always hoping he would come soon. Maybe this guy's the one. Maybe that's the one. And every one of them, nope, he failed. He's a, he's, we're all a failure in so many ways. Maybe that guy. No, not him either. And that's where we find them here in Ezekiel. In the passage leading up to Ezekiel 22, the, well, the, the book of Ezekiel, there's lots of prophecy, but there's also... There's lots of just God telling Ezekiel over and over and again how, how disappointed he is in his people and how there's just not much good that he can see in them. And yet every now and then he interjects this little thing, but I'm going to turn it. I'm going to bring something out of this. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to work here. And here in Ezekiel 22, and again we're not going to read that, but here in Ezekiel 22 he says you guys are a mess. The world out there is a mess, we know that. But even among my people there isn't a man. And because of this you're doomed. And there have been men who did stand in the gap from time to time. Men who did seek the Lord in the light they were given. Job sacrificed for his children. And prayed for his children. Noah built an ark and preserved the human race. Abraham followed God. Followed God's call into a strange land and became the father of Israel and many nations. Moses forsook Egypt and the power and the the prestige and everything that Egypt had to offer. To lead his people out of bondage. He also was God's instrument to give us the law. David. David. In spite of his shortcomings, fought against Israel's enemies, and largely brought peace to the region, he also gave us many of the Psalms. In Hebrews, in the faith chapter, we have many more examples of what we call heroes of the faith. But there was still never the man, the one. One by one, they failed. They they even if they wouldn't in our way of thinking come short they simply were not they were not all that the redeemer needed to be so we have a perfect world then we have despair and then we have despair with a glimmer of hope shining through someday a redeemer will come and a whole lot of good men who've come and gone and still aren't the promised one in Isaiah, we had a lot, of, a lot of prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. And I was telling Terrell a little bit before, uh, you, as, a, as a speaker, you're never supposed to apologize. I guess I won't apologize, I'll just explain. I thought I had my message about ready for this evening, and as I was going over today and, and adding and so on, I, just, uh, I really started feeling like that message was going to work better for Sunday's message. And so most of what I have here today, I put together this afternoon, and I really would have liked to have it on a PowerPoint so that all these different verses could be up on the PowerPoint, because it's really going to be hard to turn to this many uh, verses. But I'll try to read them in a way that makes sense, and if you want to try to follow along, you can. Um, Isaiah 59, we have prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. Isaiah 59 And again, I'm picking verses out, and I don't think I'm being unfair to the context, but we simply don't have time to read all the verses. So Isaiah 59, 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. And then in the following, so again, what I I want us to see, what I want us to feel here, is the, the state of, of, I don't know if you can call it despair if you know there's a Redeemer coming, but the the need of a Savior, the need of a Redeemer, the need of the man to come and redeem Israel out of their bondage. So, and then here in Isaiah, he says, "...the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear." Your iniquities have separated you. Now dropping down to verse 16. In those verses between 2 and 16, he listed just a whole string of things they've done and said that have separated themselves from him. Verse 16, And he saw, this is speaking of God looking at his people, And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it sustained him for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing as, and was clad with zeal as a cloak verse 20 and the redeemer shall come to zion and unto them that turn from transgression in jacob saith the lord as for thee as as for thee this i'm sorry as for me this is my covenant with them saith the lord my spirit that is upon thee And my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth nor out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. So again, maybe a little more light, a little more understanding, but what exactly does this Redeemer look like? Now go with me to Malachi. Go to Malachi 4. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. And again, we're not going to read all the verses here. Malachi 4, 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. And all the proud... Are any of you not among all the proud? I know I'm among them. Yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. There again, a glimmer of hope, that that reason to look ahead. Verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So we've had a perfect world, and then we've had despair, and then we have despair with a glimmer of hope shining through. Someday a Redeemer will come. We have a whole lot of good men who've come and gone and still aren't the promised one. And we also have a lot more knowledge of God and who he is, maybe a somewhat clearer understanding of his heart for us. But still no redeemer, still no one who can deliver us, and that's the last we hear for four hundred years. Now let's go to John chapter one. Four hundred years. I don't think I, I I know for me, and I suspect for many or all of you. It's easy for us to read the stories of the children of Israel and, and all of that. And just, it just goes in one ear and out the other, you might say. 400 years. The United States have been in existence for about 250. And that's a long time, we think. Well, if, if we're in the, in, the, uh, in the shoes of the children of Israel, that we still have 175 years, 150 years. To go before the next word from the Lord. It wasn't a good time. John 1, verse 6. There was a man. God said, I looked for a man. I couldn't find one. John 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. We've got him. Finally, after 400 years of silence, there's a voice, a prophet, and it's Him. The next verse says, He was not that light. Oh, it's not Him either. But was sent to bear witness of that light. Can you imagine the up and down feelings here? And I I know that there was with the Pharisees and, and all of that there was, there was pride, there was jealousy there was, I don't want you to have disciples because I want people to follow me and I know there was all of that but I think in the back of all of their hearts there was a longing now they had the wrong concept of, a, of the Messiah they had the wrong idea of this Messiah that was going to come and establish an earthly rule and defeat the Romans and, and make them kings with him and so on but they all wanted John or somebody to be the real deal they're ready for this. They're longing for this. And John comes and he seems like, he, I mean, obviously he's different. He's got something about him. And then he says, no, I'm not him either. I'm just a witness to him. I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you who he is and what about. And I can just imagine that they might say, I wonder how long this next stage of waiting will be. So now let's go down to verse 19. John 1.19, and this is the record of John, this is what John told them, this is the record, this is his testimony, this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Have you ever had anyone tell you something that you didn't want to be true? You know it's true, but you really don't want to hear them tell you it's true. You'd rather be convinced otherwise. Was there something in these Pharisees? And again, I realize there was all of the jealousy and all of that, but, but just putting that aside for a moment, was, was there something in their mind that just wanted somebody to say, I am the Messiah. Let's go. Let's, let's conquer. Let's reign. Let's something. And he says, no, I'm not him. And I, I wonder if, if there was a little bit of, of if that had to place some into their frustration, this this longing and all of that, and he, he again says it's not him. So now verse 21, and they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give us an answer that we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Here he's quoting from Isaiah. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you. Now it's current. I'm not him, but he's here. There's a verse that comes to mind that says the people heard him gladly. So while this did not exactly stick well with the Pharisees, there had to be people standing around saying, Did you hear what I heard? He's here. He's coming. It's the time. There standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latched I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, this is he, of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, John didn't even know who Jesus was. Have you ever thought of that? We think, oh, they're first cousins, they're, you know, whatever, they, they, they know each other. Well, maybe not first cousins, but Mary and, and, and Elizabeth were cousins. But John didn't know who this Messiah was. I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come, baptizing with water, And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me, that would be God, he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bare record that this is the Son of God. Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he, walketh, as he walked he saith and I just get a sense of awe a sense of can you believe it behold the Lamb of God he's here there's a man so we have a perfect world and then we have despair and then we have despair with a glimmer of hope shining through Someday a Redeemer will come. A whole lot of good men who've come and gone and still aren't the promised one. And we have a more knowledge of God and who He is. A clearer understanding of His heart for us, but still no Redeemer. Still no one who can deliver us. And after 400 years, He's here. And we know the rest. He died, rose, and ascended. He went into those clouds as a man. That's very important for us to realize. When he ascended, he ascended as a man. He said, look at my hands, look at my feet. A spirit doesn't eat, doesn't have a body like you see me have. He went into those clouds as a man, with scars in his hands and feet inside, a man who had done all he came to do, He'd been tempted and beaten and scorned and abused and treated worse than a dog in many cases, yet without sin. A man had sinned so long ago there in the garden and ruined everything. A man had to come and fix it, and he did. And that's taking nothing away from his divinity and that he was the son of God, but he lived as a man among us. He went into those clouds as a man. Then what? I believe we have the answer and this is where I wish I had the PowerPoint because we got a couple of different things here but I believe we have the answer in Daniel 7. And I'll just read this and this is a very interesting passage but 13 and 14 says, I saw in the night visions and behold, so we see we see Jesus there on the mount of uh, with the disciples and he ascends and it says a cloud received him out of his sight, out of their sight. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man. Now this is, this is seeing things, I, I believe, I'm convinced, this is seeing things from the other side at the same time. If you read the first part of Daniel 7, it talks about thrones being cast down. And that can all, we think of, of kingdoms being destroyed, but it also makes perfect sense. And if you look at the context, it, makes, it fits very well with the idea of, I like to use the idea of a folding chair. Do you set up chairs or set down chairs? Let's go set up chairs. What do you do? You set them down. You take them and you, you set them down. And I believe that's what it's saying. The thrones, the thrones were set out. And something's going on in heaven. There's going to be something done here that's different. And as they're set, the Ancient of Days comes and sits on the throne. And the, 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 everyone's ready for this moment. And I believe that's all happening, and I don't know how eternity happens. I don't know how that all works in eternity. But as that's happening, at the same time on earth, the disciples are talking to Jesus. And he's giving them his final, uh, final instructions. And he, uh, he goes up, and the clouds receive him out of their sight. I believe he heard something like, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord and the kingdom, which is prepared for you. In Psalm 24, verse 3, the psalmist asks a question. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Selah. I believe that verse right there. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. That verse is enough right there to explain why every man that came between Adam and Christ could not be the man. None of us has clean hands, none of us has a pure heart, and none of us has never lifted up his soul unto vanity. Verse seven and I believe again this is, this is showing us a picture of when Christ came. Every man between Christ or between Adam and Christ, if he had gone to the throne room on his own and said, Lift them gates up. The response would have come back, who is it? And I walk up and I say, it's Dana Stauffer, not the one from Indiana, the one from Centerville. And they say, sorry, you're not making it. Well, I know Terrell, that's for sure not making it. We can't do it. If any of us walks up to those gates and says, because of who I am, because of what I've done, because of whatever, It's not good enough. Jesus Christ, the man, walked up to those gates and said, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. And the voice from the other side, Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. And those gates lift up and the king of glory with no merit from anyone else, no one giving any explanation and having no, no one asking questions. He walks into the throne room and assumes the throne on his own merit. And because of what he did, God found, God provided his man. So what does this all have to do with choosing a man and ordaining him to the ministry? As I looked at this, and Terrell and Daryl don't even know this, but it's kind of a funny story in how I came to this text in the first place. But I believe it was of the Lord. I truly believe it was of the Lord. In my... In human terms, it was an accident. But I really felt the Lord speaking to me through this, as I looked at this, I really felt that the message the Lord would have for every man here is this. Maybe I should say this first. I want to give you just a little bit of where I'm coming from. I've been in the ministry since 2009. I was ordained as bishop in 2014. And I actually today went online and listened to Terrell's message that he gave here a month ago or so on the qualifications for a minister And I want to say, first of all, I would say an amen. I I really appreciated the message. And I'm not taking anything away from that message at all. This whole thing of looking at qualifications can be very daunting. When it comes right down to it, none of us makes the grade. Any one of us who's been in the ministry for more than about five minutes will tell you we don't cut it. But what I want you to know is this. God isn't looking for perfection. Only one man out of however many billion have ever lived on the earth have, has managed that All he's looking for is a heart who is willing to follow. Now again, I'm not cheapening any of this. The Bible does tell us, God did tell us to look for qualifications in a minister. It did tell us to be careful, to be wise in choosing. So this isn't so much for those of you who are looking at others and thinking of qualifications as it is for you who are sitting there thinking, I wonder if it's me and thinking, there's no way I qualify. I know me. You aren't perfect, but will you follow? Can you trust? Are you willing? Christ did the hard thing, the thing only he could do, All those before and after him have failed. There is something you can do. You can look to Jesus. In Hebrews twelve, he says, "Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses." Now, this cloud of witnesses are those that have gone before. In chapter eleven, what we call the faith chapter, which every one, by the way, was a failure in some way if you want to compare them to the perfect bar the perfect standard of the law i love the illustration and uh, this this isn't original with me but i love the illustration of an imaginary conversation between the devil and god and god saying these are my people i've made man i you know, all this and the devil just mocking him your, your best men. Let's go through the list. You have Adam, the original. He sinned within apparently rather, a rather short time. You have uh, Abraham who didn't wait on you. You say he's faithful. He didn't even wait on you. He didn't have faith. He tried to do it his own way. You have Noah. Noah is was the only righteous man, the only one you gave a chance, or the, the one that found grace in your sight, you give him the instruction, he builds the ark, does all that, and what does he do? He goes out and gets drunk like a fool. David, a man after your own heart who doesn't even go out to battle with his men, and instead he steals the, one of his best soldier's wives and has the soldier killed, that's a man after your own heart? How can you say any of these are your people? And God looks at him and says, If you want to know how I can claim any of these people, you look at the cross. And look what my son did for these people. And what I do through these people in their brokenness. And Satan has no answer for that. So, we're can pass about with so great a cloud of witnesses. A crowd of witnesses who failed on so many levels and yet got up and went on and persevered. Let us lay aside every weight. That's something we can do. And the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, these things write write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 Timothy 2, 5-7, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher. John 15, And right here is the key. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye could do nothing. I sought for a man, and there wasn't one. So I came. Will you join me in the work? Can you hear Christ calling? There wasn't a man. There wasn't one that could do it. I came. I was that man. Will you join me in the work? Come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you that that taking my yoke upon you the idea there is the 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 double yoke of two oxen you have the bar across the top and the loops underneath and you put one put one loop over each each the, the neck of each animal and they work together and this isn't jesus saying okay i'm the plowman You come and get in my yoke and you're going to pull my plow. The way to train an ox or a mule to the plow is to put him in a yoke with an older, experienced ox or mule. And that young one might buck, he might thrash, he might pull, he might fail and he might do well. But the old one is steady and stronger and able to just keep it going. And eventually, the younger one learns, if I don't resist, it doesn't hurt. If I work with him, it's easier. And eventually, they're working together, and things are going well, and they're productive together. And Jesus is standing there saying, take my yoke upon you. I'm in the plow. I'm not, I'm not sitting on the plow asking you to pull it. I'm pulling the plow. I've got my head in the yoke. And there's an open spot. Take my yoke on you. I'll pull with you. I'll help you. When you fall, I'll help you up. I'll give you strength. I'm here. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. He's not a harsh task master. He's kind. He's been there. It's, and again, we don't understand all this. At least I sure don't. But somehow in this, the idea that he, he was eternally God, and yet He learned obedience, it says. He came and He became a man, and it says He knows what it's like to be a man. He was tempted like we are. He didn't sin like we do. But He knows what it's like. And He says, Father, it's hard. Forgive them. They don't know. They're made out of dust. I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls.